Praise the Lord. I want to make just a, a couple of announcements uh, real quickly. Um, uh, I forgot what they were. Um, oh, yeah. In August, we're, we're uh, next week. Here, let me get my thoughts together here. Um, uh, praise the Lord. Next week, next Sunday night, we'll have service here, but starting next Sunday night, uh, they are celebrating uh, 20 years uh, in New Creation Church, Craig. And so next Sunday night, I'm going to be ministering in Craig, and then uh, Monday and Tuesday night, Shekinah Glory are going to be there ministering. So uh, it'd be great if you can clear out your schedule, come celebrate with New Creation Church of Craig. They're not apart from us, they're apart with us. And uh, what God put on our heart some years ago about establishing churches throughout Western Colorado. And so uh, they have been going for 20 years, if you can believe it. Praise the Lord. And in the end of August, we are going to celebrate our 40 years of New Creation Church. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your enthusiasm. And God has done great things. We've been here for a biblical generation already. And uh, uh, Bucky's been here all 40 years. And Dan and Karen have been here all 40 years. And Ed and Donna have been here all 40 years. And uh, who else? Who am I missing? So you start naming names, you're going to miss somebody. But there's a, a couple other people who've been here for 40 years. I've been. No, Alan came after me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but he's been here about uh, 39, the same as me. And so I got here a year after the church started and uh, have been here 39 years. And so God has done great things for us uh, and done great things for you. So no matter how long you've been uh, apart, uh, what we'd like to do is, uh, you, you know, modern technology is awesome. You can take your phone and you can take a video of you, uh, you and your wife, you and your family, and just give us a short testimony of what New Creation Church has done for your life. And uh, we'd like to put that together uh, to celebrate, uh, to enjoy time, but really to give glory to God uh, for what he's done through New Creation Church over the past 40 years. And so... Uh, just to let you know about that, if you can get it into us, uh, you know, relatively soon, so we're not just packing that together in the last minute. That'll be the end, uh, last weekend in August. Am I correct in my, yeah, 29th and 30th, that's pretty much the end of August. And so, <laughs> uh, so you can send that to ashley at newcreationchurch.org or, or ashley at newcreationchurch.org. So, <laughs> so she'll get, get that and uh, put that together. We're going to have a great time. Don't know who's going to be speaking yet at uh, those celebration services. I've been a little slow on the uptake, but uh, it'll be good. Amen. If you weren't here this morning, you weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, want to give you an opportunity to give. Praise the Lord. You are so generous, and we appreciate your giving so much. And uh, God is good. We're declaring that this will be your most blessed, most blessed year ever the blessing of god is coming upon you and overtaking you that it will be undeniable that god's word concerning sowing and reaping is taking place in your life and uh, we are calling new creation church in to totality the property paid for and more and uh, we're right down in that seven hundred and eighty thousand dollar range praise the lord and so i'm believing god for a one-time check of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars and so that'll put us right there glory to god and we're calling it paid for and more and uh, god has great things for us to do uh, not only now but in the future you guys have been a great part of that and so be believing with us and uh, if god wants to bless you like with a million dollars so you can write that check i'm with you amen and uh, i'm okay if he blesses me with a million dollars i'll write that seven hundred fifty thousand dollar check because it's not going to be written to me, it's going to be written to the church anyway. I'm just going to receive it on the behalf of the church, pay off the property, and glory to God. So, hallelujah. So, did you all pass those if you're given by cash or debit or credit card? You already got that done. All right. So, you all know how to give if you're going to text, give, and all that stuff. So, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify and glorify you for every opportunity that we have when we give gives us an opportunity to declare that we are not in control of everything that we have, but we are in covenant with you, and everything that we have belongs to you, and everything that you have belongs to us. We're in a divine covenant relationship, so we acknowledge that 
through our giving. And we thank you, Lord, as we acknowledge that covenant, you open up the windows of heaven, all that you have, you open it up to us and you pour out blessing that there's not room enough to contain it. I thank you, Lord, that you put favor upon our life, that as we give, it's given back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will men give into our bosom, that they will give unto us, we'll be blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me um, to Luke. Um, where, where do we want to go? I mean, Luke, the fifth chapter. Luke, the fifth chapter, the 17th verse. And while you're turning there uh, to Luke chapter 5, I want to take, thank uh, Pastor Sean for sharing last week. That was just awesome. Glory to God. And um, as she did that, I know um, I was just thinking about some things concerning what we're talking about. And just wanted to exhort you in, in, in a couple of things. And, you know, she said uh, she taught on a faith lift, a faith lift, kind of a play on words, a faith lift instead of a facelift. But, you know, immediately I began to think about that, that play on words. And so why in the world would you need a face lift? Well, because over time, gravity takes hold and begins to pull your skin down. The weather, the storms of life, the time of life begins to do something, and you want to freshen up. You want to look younger, so you get a face lift. Well, a faith lift, if we're not careful, over a period of time and through the storms of life, your faith will get a little saggy. Come on, it gets saggy. How do you know your faith gets saggy? You say things like, oh, I know that. And somebody says, open your Bible to a popular scripture. Oh, here we go again. You think you know, but you don't. Your faith is getting a little saggy. So every now and then we need a faith lift. And I was just thinking, you know, we, we have devotions with our, our staff. And our staff, we have a young staff. I'm glad that we have a young staff. And, uh, you know, we get there. And sometimes our discussion becomes a little bit complicated for me. I'm not really that complicated uh, when it comes down to it. And I remember, you know, really when I, I came into the knowledge of Jesus and what he had done for me when I got saved, nobody really told me much except for that I was going to heaven. When I met Pastor Mark Brzee, who was a youth pastor at the time, and he began to talk to me about faith in God. And really, I just came up, man, the things that he fed me I mean, I just grabbed a hold of them. I grabbed a hold of them just like a kid in a candy store. I just thought, man, this is it. And it was really simple. It was Mark chapter 11. It was just so simple. How He said, you know what? This is what God said in his word. This is just faith. That if you say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. And don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things that you say will come to pass. You'll have whatsoever you say. You'll have whatever you say. And so I thought, man, that just makes a lot of sense to me. He went on to teach us some things. Turn over to John, the 14th chapter. You can hold your finger there in Luke chapter 5. We'll come back to it. John chapter, uh, the 14th chapter. just want to show you something that I believe will encourage you, and I hope it will. John chapter uh, 14. And he would just talk about these scriptures. I was 17 years old. And he would talk about these scriptures, and I would get a hold of them, the station of life where I was at. And when I got a hold of them at the station of life where I was at and watched to see that God would do exactly what he said he would do, just exactly what he said he would do, it really stirred my faith in God and who God was. And so here in, in John, the 14th chapter, the 13th verse, it says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John, the 15th chapter. John, the 15th chapter. In the 16th verse, he said, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. And then John, the 16th chapter, 
the 16th chapter, in the 23rd verse, it says, In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. I remember spending a lot of time on this, that whatever you ask the Father in my name. I'd grown up in a denominational church. People were praying to God all the time, God, God, God. And all of a sudden I realized that I pray to God, but if I'm going to get anything from God, I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus. Because everything that God promised me came through the blood of Jesus. And when I have faith in the blood of Jesus, whatever I ask God and call to his remembrance that Jesus already paid the price for me to have it, that God will begin to respond and God will begin to react to the name of Jesus. All heaven, there's an old song, all heaven stands at attention when I mention that name. Come on, heaven responds to the name of Jesus. People on earth might not respond that quickly, but heaven responds to the name of Jesus. God is watching over his word to perform it. And when we see a promise in his word and we say, God, I'm right now declaring this promise. I'm asking you for this promise in Jesus' name. Man, heaven starts moving. Heaven starts moving. Because God's watching over his word to perform it. And when you declare the name of Jesus, angels are dispatched in a moment's time to make that promise come to pass. And we just have to be patient with our faith because angels are on the move. In Daniel chapter 10, most of you know that Daniel prayed for 21 days before the answer even came. And sometimes we think, you know, God's making us wait for something. But the moment the angel came to him and, and the angel said, the moment your words were heard in heaven. In other words, the moment Daniel cried out to God for understanding concerning the day that he was living in, some dispatch angel in heaven said, take the answer to him. And he left heaven with the answer immediately, but he was hung up in the heavenlies by principalities and powers. The enemy will try to hang up God's answer to your prayers, but because Daniel stayed steadfast in his faith and in his prayers, God sent a warring angel to get a hold of that principality and power and set the angel with the answer through. And he stood there next to Daniel and he said, I am here, right here, right now, on account of your words. Come on, he asked God for understanding and God said, I'll give you understanding. It wasn't that complicated. It wasn't that complicated. Whatever you ask, the Father in my name, I'll do it. He said, in that day you'll ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. She was talking about that faith lift. I was just saying, God, you know, it's just something. I grew up in just a, a, a time where you know what, we, we heard this Sunday night after Sunday night. God said it, I believe it, so that settles it for me. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. One minister came and said, that's just really not the truth. God said it, that settles it. But it doesn't necessarily settle it for you. When God said it, and I believe it, it settles it. And all of a sudden, we began to get to this place where we didn't really understand what that was doing for us, and we began to ask questions. We began to get into a culture, and just stay with me in this, we began to get into a culture where we began to feed our soulish man a little bit more than our spirit man. See, our spirit man is really very simple. Our spirit, the Holy Spirit in our spirit, works with one thing and one thing alone, and that is with the Word of God. Really, and how it's encompassed, I guess he works with three things. He works with the Word of God, the name of Jesus, on the basis of his blood. It's not that complicated. And he said, if I could get you spiritually strong concerning that, it would sustain you in bodily harm and through all of your trouble to be spiritually strong. But as we've allowed our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions to become complicated, anybody ever had complicated situations? 
Have you noticed that your emotions are totally engaged in a, cunt, a, 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 a complicated situation? Have you ever noticed that your mind is going 90 to nothing trying to figure it out in a complicated situation? How many of you ever figured out when your mind is going 90 to nothing, God's isn't? God has already figured it out before you ever entered into that situation. God had it figured out, sent Jesus. Jesus paid for it so that you could have it worked out. But we worry about it. We think about it. We make our decisions based on the emotion or the feeling about it. Why? Because we fed our soulish man more than our spirit man. But it's a strong spirit of a man or a woman that sustains them in bodily harm and trouble. And really what happens, Jesus said this to us, but when we begin to get into the habit, you might have done it when you were small, you might have done it when you were older, you might have done it uh, just recently as you started to believe God and things didn't work out how you thought they would. You begin to, in your soul realm, begin to pick up things. You begin to pick up worry, you begin to pick up stress, you begin to pick up the concerns of the world and the concerns of the day. Not even knowing it, you begin to listen to things and pay attention and give attention to things, and you just pick them up. It can happen, but God doesn't want it to be that complicated. It's really pretty simple. God said some things. If we believe it, it settles it. If we say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and don't doubt in our heart, don't doubt in our soul, in our mind, our will, and emotions. If we don't doubt in our heart, but believe those things that we say will come to pass, we'll have whatever we say, right? When we stand praying, we look and we believe that we receive what we're talking about. It's just so simple to understand that whatever we ask in Jesus' name, the Father will do it because of the Son. And so Jesus said this. He said, hey, hey, every one of you that is burdened and heavy laden, come unto me and I'll give you rest. What was he talking about? He was talking about everyone who is soul dominant that picked up all the emotional garbage and all of the mental exercises that go along with life. He said, you picked up all that stuff, and you're walking around, and it doesn't take that to set you off to worrying. It doesn't take that little idea to set you off and say, oh my God, that might come to my house. It doesn't take that much to get you in fear over what's going on. He said, if that's you, you're carrying around stuff that will kill you. Come on, we make excuses like, listen, I'm an emotional being. I, 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 this is just the way I do. But Jesus said, just a minute, just a minute. You're a spiritual being. You have a soul and you live in a body. And your body is not equipped to carry all of that emotional baggage. And when you start to carry all of that emotional baggage, that mental stress, you begin to carry the brokenness and the worries and the fears that accompany life. Your body is not equipped to handle it, and it will break down, and it will attract sickness and disease. So he said, listen, if you're carrying that stuff around, come unto me, and I'll give you rest. How's he going to give you rest? He's going to take that off of your soul. He's going to cause you to be born again, become spiritually alive, and give us the opportunity to strengthen ourselves by the Spirit of God in our inner man. Because we know now that the strong spirit of a man or a woman sustains them in bodily harm or trouble. Worry does not sustain you in bodily harm and trouble. Overthinking does not sustain you in bodily harm and trouble. But strong spirit of a man will sustain him in bodily harm and trouble. And to strengthen yourself spiritually is not that hard. It just takes exercise. It just takes exercise. It doesn't take, and again, I'm not, I'm not against any of this. Just hang with me for a moment. 
I'm just a pretty simple person. And to a large degree, it served me well. And I can tell you that God has been faithful to his word. He's been faithful to his word. Always faithful that if you say, God, I just want to know, I just want to understand, he'll put it about as simply as he can. And when we believe and we trust him and we obey him, he meets us at that point of obedience when it's pure obedience. But when we start to get into the mental gymnastics, we begin to get into the spiritual gymnastics and the excuses and the things that come. And the enemy just has a strategy in that. And so in Luke chapter 22, you know, you'll remember this, that right before he left, he told Peter, he said, listen, Peter, uh, the devil is going to come. And his desire is to sift you like wheat. What he's talking about? You know, I, I just remember, we don't see it as much anymore. In fact, I don't think I ever see it. I guess we have sifted flour. When I was growing up, you know, my mom did the fried chicken thing. You know, she, you don't, you know, I'll tell my age now, but you didn't go down to the store and buy chicken parts. You went and bought a chicken. Now, I'm not, I'm not so old that you actually went and bought the chicken with feathers on. <laughs> you did buy the chicken. <laughs> and so she'd get it at the store, bring it home, you know, and then she'd have to cut it apart. She'd basically have to butcher the chicken, reach in there, pull out the gizzard and the heart and all that stuff. We wanted the heart. That was always the best. And then, you know, she'd just spread out there and get the flour out. And she'd put the flour in a sifter. I liked that thing. I was intrigued by how it worked. You'd pull the trigger and it had this thing on the inside. It had a screen in the bottom. And you'd pull it and go. <laughs> so mom put flour in there. She'd always do this. And what would it do? It would agitate and knock out the lumps in the flour. And so it was just an agitation. So when Jesus said the devil's going to come and he desires to sift you, what he was saying is the devil's going to come and begin to soulishly agitate you. So he began to work on Peter at that moment that Peter was standing by thinking how Peter was thinking, this is the way it's going to be, man. I got called to be a fisher of men by the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's going to set up his kingdom right here. He's the Messiah. I have a divine revelation, and he's going to be the king, and I'm going to be one of his royal subjects, and we're going to rule instead of being ruled over by these priests and these religious people as lowly fishermen. We're going to start to rule over people. We're going to take charge, and Jesus is our king. And all of a sudden, he's standing by, and they're accusing Jesus, and he's not saying a word. And he's like, man, this ain't working out how I thought it was working out. And all of a sudden, they begin to beat Jesus and spit on him and mock him. And Peter's like, come on, man. I've watched you do some stuff. Stand up and fight back. And Jesus didn't say a word. While he's standing there going, this ain't working out like I thought, the reason I'm hanging right here is to watch him take charge, raise up like he's done before. And all of a sudden, a little girl says, you hung out with him. You were one of his disciples. And he said, uh, and I'm telling you, his emotions were heightened at that moment. He's wondering what in the world's going on. And instead of spiritually responding with the revelation that he had been given, he emotionally responded and said, I don't even know him. This is too much for me emotionally. I don't even know what's going on. He denied him three times. But Jesus knew that the enemy was going to come and burden him and put stuff on him in his soul that he would not be able to bear. And what did Jesus say? Jesus didn't say, I'll tell the devil not to do that. He said, I will pray for you that your faith is not fail you. Come on, the idea when we're talking about bodily harm and trouble, when we're talking about faith in God, we're talking about a faith lift. Faith in God is so important, but it's so simple. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. See, we begin to say, well, I tried believing it, but it didn't work. 
then we didn't really believe it. We were waiting to see what happened. We were throwing up a wing in a prayer. We were winking at God. I believe you. Now, come on, do your thing. And when he didn't, we're looking and going, hey, man, you didn't do your part. I did my part. But it wasn't really faith. It actually is more simple than that. When things are working out and when things aren't working out, and God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Whatever I ask in your name, you'll do it. You'll do it. 17 years old playing baseball. Pastor Mark was talking to me about healing and whatever you ask in his name, I'll do it. And I was thrown one day and I, something went, went wrong in my arm. I was really having a good game going and I came over and, and he was watching our ball game and I, I, I really, I basically just threw my right arm over the fence and he stood there between innings and he said, now you're just going to, we're going to ask Jesus, we're going to ask God in Jesus name to heal your arm right now. We prayed and we asked Jesus, God in Jesus' name to heal my arm. And I finished that game. And I was like, you know what? There was an amazing amount of strength that came into my arm at just that moment. Could it be that whatever I ask in Jesus' name, the Father will do it? Just at that station in my life and wherever you are, sometimes we overthink it, we overdo it. We want to be where somebody else is. But wherever we are, if we just admit, you know what? I'm not trying to be super, I'm not trying to be super spiritual here. I'm 17 years old, and I just want to finish pitching this game. I'm not being super religious. I'm just like, I'd like to finish this game. God, would you help me? God says, I'll meet you right where you're at. It wasn't over-spiritualized. It was just like, he said, I'll meet you right where you're at. But what he did in that moment to meet me where I was at was he did something to instill in me at 17 years old that no matter what I go through, he'll do what he said he would do. If I trust him and declare in his name. There's no way physically that we can carry around the baggage of worry and stress. I'll just tell you this, that if you're worried about whether or not people think you have enough faith or not, concerning your healing, you don't. Not that you can't. But what are you carrying that emotional baggage about what other people think about your faith for? I'm just trying to help you right now. Y'all are looking like I'm scolding you. I'm not. I'm actually trying to encourage you and help you. See, we make faith complicated. What are other people thinking about it? Listen, if you want to encourage somebody in their faith when they're believing God for healing, don't walk up to them and tell them they don't have enough of it. Tell them how much God loves them and begin to sit down and pray and say, how can we help you? They say, you know what, I just need some help. And they go to the doctor, just say, we might go to the doctor this time, but we're going to start asking the Father in the name of Jesus, and we're going to watch things turn around. If you're always worried about whether people think you have faith or not, you're concerned with the wrong thing. It doesn't matter if people think you have faith. It only matters if you have faith in God. The only way you're going to move a mountain is not what other people think about your mountain moving. It's whether or not when you say to that mountain, move, you believe in your heart that that mountain has to move. It's not that complicated. <laughs> well, let me just see. It's a pretty big mountain, and I don't know if it really has to move or not. And who am I to tell that mountain to move anyway? I mean, I'd like it to move, but I don't even really know if God wants it to move or he doesn't want it to move. All of a sudden, you've complicated it right there. If you can look and see that this circumstance, this mountain, is in the way of God's will, it needs to be removed. It's not that difficult. Come on, it's not that difficult. It's not how did it get there? Why did it get there? Has it been there for generations? Will it ever move? Even if I speak to it, will it listen to me? I don't even know. Maybe I've made too many mistakes in life for that mountain to listen to me. Just knock it off. My God, if the mountain is in the way of the will of God, in the name of Jesus, speak to the mountain. Tell it to get out of the way, and it's got to listen to you. It's just not that complicated. 
And if we ever get past that, some of you are saying right now, yeah, but what if I say it and it doesn't move? See how easy it is to pick up emotional baggage. And some of you don't like the fact that I just raised my voice, and I'm sorry, but don't pick up baggage. God's trying to say something to you. And I know I'm just not that bright. I mean, Mark Hankins used to come for years and say, you're not the brightest tool in the shed. And I would look at him and go, hmm, something doesn't sound right about that. <laughs> Took me a long time to know he was just messing with me. What do you mean you're not the brightest tool in the shed? It's supposed to be the brightest bulb in the room. He was like, see, and you didn't, it took you seven years to get it. That's how bright you're not. But one thing I do know is if God said it, and I believe it, that settles it. I don't have to pick up a lot of baggage about the whole thing. And I'm not really worried about what you think about my faith. I learned this a long time ago. Listen, if you think I have faith or you don't think I have faith, my faith is in God. And if it's anywhere else, it's not going to be very effective. Even if my faith is in my faith, it's not nearly as effective as my faith being in God. The only way that we can have faith in God is to really understand his word. All right, Luke chapter 5. You all thought I was going to miss that, but... Or some of you are like, man, he's just now getting to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be here for a long time tonight. <laughs> Luke chapter 5, glory to God. And it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were, verse 17, uh, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, Men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down, let his bed down through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw, when Je speaking of Jesus, when he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus perceived their thoughts. He answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who is paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately the man was healed. Praise the Lord. And so we see a couple of things here, but I want to just uh, talk about uh, one thing, a couple of things that uh, continue uh, to come up and, and that we look at over and over again. But uh, this statement that he made, man, your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. We talked about this just a little bit last time uh, concerning the will of God and understanding really that the will of God comes to us and begins to uh, let us know uh, what the will of God is for our life. And so when the will of God or the word of God comes in contact with the power of the anointing of God, something supernatural, there's an unbeatable team that comes together uh, concerning our healing. And so really the word of God continually tells us uh, in Psalms 107, he sent his word and he healed them. He sent his word and he healed them. This morning we talked about uh, Proverbs chapter 420. It's life and health to all of your flesh. Proverbs 3 tells you that it will be a long life and health to your body. The Word of God, to meditate on the Word of God. God said it. God said, I am the Lord that heals you. The revelation of His Word. But there are things as we begin to believe God and we begin to look at His Word that uh, we begin to meditate on that are fairly 
simple for us to understand. And so many times that we're believing that we receive, we're believing that we receive, and God will nudge us and begin to say, okay, I'm going to make this a little bit more simple. We locate our faith and we identify our faith by really understanding that we're believing that we receive, things aren't happening. And so I'll just use this and then we'll get to a little bit more of what we're going to talk about. But, you know, Brother Hagen, who, who most of us, you know, we got that point of like, well, maybe we don't have enough faith if we're not getting healed because we came up under that teaching of faith message. But Brother Hagen never really taught that. Brother Hagen said that faith in God is actually truly faith in God, not faith in your faith, but faith in God. And so I remember he was telling this story one time about that he was believing God. I mean, he said, you know, he never had sickness from the time he got up off the bed of sickness for any length of time. But he was having stomach trouble at one point in time, and he was believing that he received his healing. Uh, he was a, a, applying his faith as he had since he really was raised off the, the deathbed of sickness. And while he was believing that he received his healing for this stomach issue, the Spirit of God spoke up in his spirit and said, uh, if you want really to be free from this stomach problem, then just quit eating bologna. Some of you young people, I don't even know if you know what bologna is, but we used to eat bologna a lot. Used to take bologna sandwiches to school. And so, see, our mindset, we make things difficult. Our mindset is, listen, wait a minute, I can eat whatever I want if I'm believing that I receive my healing, except if God tells you to quit eating bologna. Well, why would God tell me to quit eating bologna if he wants to heal my body? He does want to heal your body, so quit eating bologna. <laughs> well, I'm having faith. I'm having faith in God. I believe I receive. No, you're not having faith in God because faith in God is a conviction of the truthfulness of his word. And his word just spoke to you by the Spirit and said, quit eating bologna. Just simple. I can confess the word is not working. I'm praying. The Spirit of God says, quit eating bologna, just quit eating bologna. Well, no, I don't want it to, I don't want to be healed that way. I want to be healed spectacularly. I want a testimony. Well, there's a testimony. God told me to quit eating bologna. I did, and I have no more stomach trouble. That's a pretty good testimony. You could be throwing up forever saying, I'm waiting for a huge testimony and never get one, or quit eating bologna and have a testimony. Are you tracking with me tonight? Sometimes we just make things way difficult because of what we want people to think and the kind of testimony we want to have. The testimony we want to have is, I'm healed. Remember another time he... He hurt his elbow, and it had to do, I'm not going to be very, uh, I need to find the story. I couldn't find the story as I was looking for it, but I know I, I listened to him enough. He hurt his elbow, and he couldn't seem to get on top of it just as he had with his faith, but he was navigating in his own will what to do concerning what God had called him to do. I can't remember if he was trying to pastor when God told him to, to step out into the teaching anointing or if he was refusing to step out in the prophet's ministry because he was teaching. One or the other, at whatever point, he, wasn't, he was concerned he wasn't stepping out into the ministry, and he couldn't get a victory over what was going on in his elbow. And God spoke to him and said, if you'll obey me and do what I've asked you to do, your elbow will be healed. And he decided to step out and obey God, and immediately healing took place in his elbow. See, we can just try to push the issue, but if we're really seeking God, and we have his word and we're declaring it, and he knows that we're putting faith in his word, he will give us direction. He said, well, if I go to the doctor, if I quit eating bologna, if I just start doing uh, the call of God, that isn't really like spectacular, like getting up out of a wheelchair. It's not like a withered hand stretching forth. Sure it is. You're healed of your infirmity. But we tend to overthink it, and we tend to think what other people will think, and how they will think, and why they will think, and it really only matters what God thinks. And so there's an incredible part of this scripture that says why Jesus said it. I believe it has some significance to where we are. But he said, "Your man, your sins are 
forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. Many times what we don't really understand is when we're holding something against someone, and it's not just mental gymnastics to go, well, I just forgive them, but you really have to know from the heart what you're carrying around. And see, to understand really Mark chapter 11, verse 25, when we're standing, we're believing that we receive, the mountain is moving. He said, while you're standing in that same place of prayer, he didn't cut off 25. He said, while you're standing in that same place of prayer, forgive if you have anything. Somebody say anything. Come on, he said anything. We do mental gymnastics. We're like, well, I just have a little bit. It shouldn't affect my healing. Anything against anybody. Come on, by the power of God and understanding the forgiveness that Jesus extended towards you, you don't necessarily need therapy to be able to forgive somebody. You just need to forgive. I've faced it too many times in my life, just to be honest with you, picking up something, picking up an offense. And every time God has dealt with me, I haven't needed therapy. I've just needed to obey God. And it didn't, I, I'm just telling you, it didn't happen immediately. It was, there was some resistance. There was some conversation. There was me complicating it just a little bit by explaining to God what they had done. But when it came right down to it, it came down to, are you going to forgive either like I forgave you or are you going to forgive like you want me to forgive you? And at that moment of knowing how he forgave me and how I like to be forgiven and not have it drawn out, <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I ask God for forgiveness, I am really glad that he said he'll be faithful and just and immediately forget it. So why do we say, well, I'll just stretch it out for a while? Because while you're stretching it out, believe me, it's not being stretched out towards the person you don't forgive. It's stretching out an opening for the enemy to attack your life and to attack your body. So he said, while you're trying to move the mountain, while you're trying to get there, he says, forgive if you have anything against anyone. Somebody say anyone. That doesn't mean I don't have anything against a lot of people. I just have one thing against one person. That will still mess you up. Mess you up. Right? So Jesus is talking. I like it. He's talking to his disciples, and he's like, listen, y'all are going to have to forgive people. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, you're going to have to forgive them. And you know what the immediate response of the disciples are? You can find this in Luke, the 17th chapter. Their immediate response was, oh my God, increase our faith. Imagine that. You need faith just to forgive somebody. But at the same time, if you don't forgive, it will affect your faith. It will affect your faith. So Peter, this is what we do. The disciples were like us. I like that. We do mental gymnastics. So Jesus taught them seven times in a day. He was just really teaching them the principle of forgiveness and not holding on to something, but letting people go. So in Matthew chapter 18, Peter, feeling pretty good about himself, having listened to Jesus teach on seven times a day, he said, listen, God, we're doing pretty good here, aren't we? If we forgive somebody seven times in a day. And Jesus said, oh, there's something I didn't tell you. It's not really just seven times in a day. But if somebody comes against you 70 times seven. <laughs> 70 times seven, 490. My roommate at Rama, he was always kind of a smart aleck. If I did something and he would get a little irritated, I'd say, you have to forgive me. He said, no, I don't. That's 491. I've been counting. That sounds funny, but really that's what Peter was doing. He says seven times in a day, I've got that, so the eighth time we're okay. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. 
But why was Jesus doing that? Because Jesus knew that unforgiveness would hinder our lives and hinder us from getting everything that God planned for us. When we're talking about healing, it's vitally important. Because there in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, it says that if you do not forgive, God cannot forgive you. So if you're carrying around a whole bunch of stuff that is breaking your body down, and you've picked it up over time, worry and stress and things that people have done to you, and you could, you could rip it off, you could quote what everybody's done to you, and yet you're standing there believing God for healing, but you can quote all the bad that's happened to you in your life, it's time to come unto him and unload. Because if you don't, he cannot say, your sins are forgiven you, rise up and walk. Some people are believing they're receiving their healing, but they're holding things against people. So well, it's no big deal. I sh it shouldn't affect my health. Anything against anyone. He didn't complicate it. He didn't say if it's something really bad, if it's something really wounding, if it's something really hurtful, but if it's not too bad, you can hold it against them. He said anything against anyone, let it go. Turn over to James chapter 5. We're closing. Praise the Lord. So as we do this, please don't just start to call my office all week long. Verse 13, it says, is anyone among you suffering? Most people say, I'm suffering. I got to call the prayer chain. Listen to this. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let him pray. And so call everybody else and get them to pray. Thank God. I believe in agreement and prayer. But the first person who needs to pray when you're suffering is you. Is anyone cheerful? Sing psalms. Come on. That praise cure. Is anyone sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of Jesus. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Here's the, th the kicker that we get over. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Listen, there's a place right here where we're holding on to stuff. And he says, listen, when you come, you call somebody and say, listen, I've made some mistakes in my life. I've been holding on to stuff that has happened in my life. I picked up this emotional baggage, and I believe that it's affecting my body. I'm here to lay it down. And I'm here to be accountable for my picking it up. That's the only reason you call somebody. Is you say, I'm here to be accountable for what I've done. I'm here to forgive those who've wronged me. I'm here to let it go. I'm here to lay down my disobedience and let it go because I picked up stuff and my body is not equipped to carry everything that I've picked up. And he says, when you confess that, the anointing of oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And whatever you've committed, it'll be forgiven that you might rise up and be healed. We've become too adept at carrying around stuff that our bodies are not equipped to carry. We make excuses, and all it does is continue to increase the load. Because we carried it for 27 years and we've ignored it, we're still carrying it. And so the next time we get offended, we just, the enemy just piles on. And bodies are wearing out fast. Because we've abandoned the simple idea of faith. God said it, 
I believe it, that settles it. If God told me to forgive, then I'll do it. If God told me not to worry, then I'll do it. If God told me to give, then I'll do it. If he told me to forgive, I'll do it. If he told me to rejoice when I don't feel like it, then I'll rejoice. If he told me to be anxious for nothing, then I'll be anxious for nothing. If he told me that I'm more than a conqueror, then bless God, I'll just be more than a conqueror. If he told me I always triumph, then bless God, I'll just always triumph. Well, there you go. You're just making it just too simple. No, God made it simple. We complicate it. But think about it for a moment. I can just tell you as a testimony, from the time I was 17, every time I go back to this, I always have victory. The moment I take a whole lot of stuff and complicate it and try to reason it out and do all that, you may be different. I know there's people that are they're wired a little bit differently. Teachers are wired differently. Thank God they are. I mean, they investigate. They find things out. They break the word down. They teach it. Glory to God. I can't do that. I try. It just is, it throws me, it confuses me, actually. I just have to look at it and go, I'm just going to tell you all what I believe the truth is, and here it comes. We're just going to preach it. So sometimes people break it down a little bit more, but if you don't break it down and land on the fact that this is just simply true, that if he did it for them in the Old Testament, how much more will he do it right now? If he did it for one, then he'll do it for all. If he said it to you, he said it to me. If it applies to you, it applies to me. He just made it super simple, and we complicated it. And he said, when you complicate it, it gets heavy. And when it gets heavy, emotionally and mentally, your body can't take it. But if you'll take it in spiritually and believe God, you'll take that load. And your body will receive the refreshing. And the stress that has been put upon it will be relieved. And healing will begin to be restored to your mortal body. We're going to take just a moment. We're going to pray. Actually, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take five minutes. Do we have anybody here that can play an instrument? All right. Praise the Lord. We're going to have a good old-fashioned altar service. We're just going to come up and say, I'm unloading it right here. I'm just unloading it right here. Your body's been affected, and you're like, I don't know what's affecting my body. Could be a lot of sugar, but um, just, re just repent.